the book of Hosea is it's the beginning of what's known as the minor prophets. That is not because of what they say uh, being of less value. It's because our, our, our Hebrew forefathers and foremothers of the faith were immensely practical. And they're called the minor prophets because their writings are short. That's the reason they're called the minor prophets. You have the major prophets who are basically just long-winded and say the same thing over and over and over again. And you have the minor prophets who are succinct. But it's an amazing book. We're going to cover it in six weeks because it says the whole thing over uh, again because that's a very Jewish concept to repeat yourself over and over. Um, and to be completely honest, for some of you, this, this will be a difficult uh, book because if you've been cheated on before, the whole book is about... Uh, being cheated. Uh, you're going to see more of that, that video because a church called Irvine Bible Church produces these series of videos calling it a modern retelling of Hosea. But basically the whole book is about God being passionately in love with us and us uh, not always being thankful. But tonight's the intro. And, and the intro hits on the themes of the book and it's going to hit on, on a couple things in particular. But we're going to start off with actually discussing what we talked about last week. For those of you who weren't here, um, what we did was something we've done once before uh, in Tapestry. We call it a reverse mind, which is probably not a very accurate description. But it's the mindset of people kind of saying that we are the church rather than the organization itself in the church. Um, and we're going to say that, and every now and then it would be nice to kind of give the tie to the church to go and do something. And uh, so last week, Thank you. 
And we're just going to come from the first verse here. And there's a reason for that. during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. Here's why this matters. If Thank you. 
you're going to see where God refers to himself again and again as the one who freed Israel from slavery. How many people have ever seen the Prince of Egypt? It is not accurate. <laughs> Telling the story, please do not base your theology off Balcomer as, as Moses, but it's really not bad. The whole story of Israel is that they were slaves and God freed them. But so often, we forget that God just does, just does not free us from something, but he frees us to something. And that's where the kingdom comes in. He didn't just say, slavery sucks, and therefore, I'm freeing you from slavery, and now you're free from slavery. Go and make falafels. He didn't just say that. References like this. Deuteronomy 5 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That Exodus is there. The Passover meal. What does it remind the Jews of? How do we share it? The Exodus. And literally, Exodus means exit. It's a wonderful, wonderful way of remembering it. It's that sign right there, okay? If you were to go to, to Jerusalem, you would see Exodus, okay? <laughs> Because God freed them from slavery. He heard the cries of his people and he freed them from slavery. But he didn't just go, hey, now I'm free. He was bringing them to the promise. He didn't just free them from something. He freed them to something. And so often, I think in Christianity, we treat it like Jesus just does that. He just frees us from this behavior. He doesn't free us to a new life. Jesus talks about the kingdom. Kingdom, and it's probably not the term that he would use now because sometimes kingdom has this empire mindset to it. And empire should be a terrible thing. The Roman Empire was great for peace, and it was great for peace because it put everybody else in the place. It was this power down mindset. This is kingdom in the sense of reign. It's life the way it's supposed to be. God is on his throne, and we get to be more of who we are rather than. So, God says, in the Shema, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers. See, you will see it again and again. Another way of doing this, and in Hosea you'll see this, is God will speak doom and he will speak hope. We're going to see God see these people who betray him over and over again. Thankfully, we're not like that. Well, we would never you know, do the exact opposite of what God wants. I'm very sarcastic. When we do that, he is best that he does speak doom to us. He's speaking. This is going to destroy you. I want to free you from that. But then he speaks hope also. It's just not, I'm going to get rid of this bad thing, but I'm going to replace it with better things. And here's why it matters. Because in the church sometimes, you get your $5 bill and you have these great ideas of going and doing something for God. You feel like God's told you to do 
Uh, in Hosea. It's coming during the time period it is. Has anybody ever been through a natural disaster before? A few of us Many of you know the Pam and I were back in Louisiana. Um, he did like this. I think he's trying to say it but I'm not sure. <laughs> so, many of you know the Pam and I were in, in, uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana during Hurricane Katrina. Uh, that's unlike anything I've ever been through before. I've been through tornadoes and other things that was different. I mean, we almost had uh, a state of uh, oh my goodness, my mind is blank. Where uh, it is emergency? Well, a state of emergency, but uh, military law, uh, martial law. Thank you very much. Uh, I, we we had that declared almost declared in Baton Rouge. They did have it declared in in almost um, It was different, and you respond differently in an emergency than you would in. There are things that I could say to you in an emergency that if I said them when we were not in an emergency, it would be incredibly rude. But if I spoke real polite to you when we were in an emergency, you'd be like, well, why, why don't you just fucking shut up and get out of here? I mean, if, if, if the building's on fire and I just said, you know what? I could probably see the sermon out a little bit, but that's terrible. If I see fire behind you and you don't know about it, I should respond to like, it's fire, let's get out of here. There's no fire. So here's what's going on in Israel. Israel goes through the Exodus and brought the Prophesied, and after three rulers, Solomon being the last of that, it splits. And it splits into what's known as the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. And this is where it gets confusing for some people because the Northern Kingdom is known as Israel. What was the whole kingdom known as before it split? Israel. That's where it gets confusing for some people. Uh, you'll hear some commentators refer to the northern kingdom as Samaria quite often because it becomes Samaria. Um, I tend to go northern kingdom and southern kingdom because, to be completely honest, it confuses me sometimes too. Okay? But if you read Israel and it's after the split, it is the northern kingdom. And if you read Judah and it's after the split, it is the southern kingdom. If it's before the split, Judah is a tribe, Israel is a nation. Starts off following God. And then it goes in. Now, quite often, we tend to think of things like this, but it, it didn't go like that. And I just couldn't draw this very well in PowerPoint today. It went like this. And for 200 years, Israel is kind of on a descent. They have higher moments, they have lower moments. And Hosea starts preaching to Israel about give you an idea, we went through the book of Amos a couple of years ago. Some of you might remember that a little bit. I love Amos. Amos is my favorite prophet because he was probably a migrant worker and he, he, he describes himself as a teacher of pigs. That has got to be the best job title ever. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I pitch pigs. Which was truly, so you know why, these were pigs that were so cheap they weren't meant for human consumption. You pinch them so they would ripen and you feed them to livestock. But he is a shepherd and a pincher of pigs. So he's probably a minor worker. And I love it because he just chews people out. <laughs> One of my favorite passages of all of Scripture is where Amos starts referring to these very wealthy women in Israel. 
Israel, and he calls them a group of fashion cows. I would love to go to a church where the preacher just said, you ladies are all a bunch of cows. No, Jamie, I'm an equal opportunity person. Also, he could call the guys kids. I love it. Amos is about right there. And Amos is saying, whoops, it's just, yeah, Amos is about right there. <laughs> That's what happens when I turn away. Amos is about right there. And Amos is saying, if you don't turn back to God, this is what's going to happen. But if you really read what's going on in Israel at the time, they're still doing a decent job. Hosea is telling his story. He is preaching the word of the Lord about 30 years before the destruction was born. This is an emergency situation. He is not responding like, hey guys, we really should get things kind of worked out here. Yeah, we should really kind of turn back to God. He is shouting. The house is on fire. The ship is sinking. Everything is going to pot. That's not even saying. Going to pot? He's responding in an emergency. What do you do when you respond in an emergency? Panic? Help me out. You're the leader and you panic. That's not a good situation. Always makes me think of if you're a Monty Python fan, I would always have to be in an emergency and just respond like, what are you? Doesn't mean you don't know what I'm talking about. What is that? It's the best scene ever where these knights who are very noble just respond like, what are you? Yeah, well, do lots of things. So cows come over the oh, yeah, just all What Hosea does is he responds by saying two things. And he's speaking the word of God. So when he says this, he's not saying his word. He's saying this is what God says. And God responds in two ways to Israel. First thing he does is he says, if my people, well, actually this is he says, if my people are called by, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That is not Hosea, but it's what's being said. Because what's being said in this verse is exactly what's being said in the book of Hosea, which is this. Stop. He doesn't just respond with stop, but that is a large part of it. It is stop. And I love it. They go hand in hand. And if you think about it, sometimes they're the most loving thing you can do. If, if, if you think of, of some of the relationships you've seen, you've seen people who respond like, I love them so much. And what they really are is they're just victimized. They're just somebody who doesn't know how to stand up for themselves at all. I, I've been around relationships where it's not about love at all. One person will let another person do whatever not a healthy thing. It's not a good love. It's not a love that you want for your friend. It's not a love that they should have, and the person that they love doesn't love them back. I'm sure some of you have known people like that. I hope none of you have ever been that person. But as somebody who's seen it before, it's horrific to watch. Because what I want to say is you just need to say, stop. I, I believe that, that if two people want to, almost anything can be worked through. I've seen amazing things take place. But I also believe if only one person wants to work on it, nothing can happen. I was a youth minister in Carthage, Missouri uh, in the 90s. And Carthage was a 
They're called precious moments, and they are the most obnoxious thing in the world. We had one on our wedding cake, okay? And they drive me nuts now. And part of the jury that I met Sam Butcher, the artist behind it. He's a great guy. I just think he's manipulating for the motion. But he is a great guy. The other thing that happened here, the post of Marvel, actually, uh, was there was lots and lots of trouble. Because Marvel was turned and they came up with the idea of, hey, we can't make Marvel here anymore, but Marvel has this excellent pot for caves. And they started digging out beneath the marble and creating caves. Most of the Midwest trucking now goes to Carthage, Missouri, because they store these caves because caves are convenient in 68 degrees all the time. It's the biggest industry in Carthage, Missouri now, other than Leggett and Platt, which makes the strange gymnastics. And because of that, there was lots of traffic. And one day, uh, one of the secretaries in the church camp said, Robert, uh, there is a guy up front who has asked to see a minister, and you're the only one here. Now, what you don't know is at a traditional church, when somebody comes and says, I'd like to talk to a minister, and they're not you know, part of the church law, what that usually means is that they are, uh, they are somebody who's just coming and looking for money. And instead of saying, hey, can you help me out? What they say is, can I talk to a minister? It happened over and over and over over and over again. And I would love to tell you that I never ever got hard-hearted, but I did. And this guy came, and he walked in my office, and to be completely honest, I was seated at my desk, ready for him to, to pull the spiritual crisis, and then, hey, by the way, you need me on a television. Let you do what I do. What he told me instead was, my wife lives in Kansas City. The woman I've been cheating on her For the past 24 hours, I have been driving up to Kansas City, deciding that I was going to make uh, my life, struggle my life, and then turning around and driving back to Tulsa and saying I was going to drop my family and just stay for one day and shoot me. For 24 hours, I've been driving back and forth, and I finally ran out of gas here. Um, I need you to help me figure out what's the right thing to This was, I, Pam, I'm fairly sure you remember this. Um, this was. Probably 
not to say stop. He's not the victim in this. Instead, he is the one who is saying, I'll take you back, but I'm going to change you at the exact same time. I will forgive you. I, I will, uh, will not hold it against you, but I'm not going to let you stay the one you were. And so often we think this is a message for those who don't follow Christ. So often we think this is a message for those who don't know Jesus Christ. But... Who was Hosea? Or who will Hosea be talking to? Those of you who have read Who is the book written to? It's written to Israel. This is not a book that was written to those who are not followers of Yahweh. This is not a book that was written to those who are not children of Israel. This is a book that was written to the chosen people. Because you can't betray somebody unless you've been to And, and other people say, you know what, I wish my friend who's not a Christian was here to hear this. Because this is a message for those of us who are already following Christ. It's a message for those who don't know Christ also. Because what it's saying is, oh, I'll take you. I'll take you in a second. But it's also a message to us in the church who forget our $5 bill that we have promised that we would use for the glory of God to declare that he is worthy. We forget it. read is, is about God and, well, actually, it's about Hosea and his wife, Gomer, who not just betrays him once, but betrays him again and again, and ultimately becomes a prostitute, which means she is betraying him over and over and over and over again. God has called you to do something amazing and what has happened instead is you just slowly, through lots of little bitty small decisions, just pivot it down to boredom and do nothing. For one time you thought God was saying, I can do something great through the power of the Holy Spirit and instead what's happened is, now you just live day after day. And instead of Allowing God to do something great for you, now you're just hoping that, you know, the next episode of How I Met Your Mother will be there. That maybe tomorrow is not as boring as the last few days. And God wants to redeem you again. Not just to say it's okay, but to lift you up and make you spectacular. Maybe you, you said there was some sin that you would never, ever, ever commit. You never did. And he wants to make us spectacular. See, this is not a book for those who don't know Jesus. This is a book for the church. I said, I know you aren't living up to, to your expectations, to my expectations of you. But it's not too late. 
says, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger is turned away from them. What we're going to be talking about again is it is not just for your friends who don't know Jesus. Though the message is just as true then. It's for us who have been called not just to be saved, but to be saved for something spectacular. We have not just been called into the Exodus, but we've been called into the kingdom. You have not just been set free from your past, but you've been called to an amazing future. And that future begins now. So, before I end, anybody have anything that needs to be added? Yes, ma'am. All right, then I'm going to show you this. Um, Carnival Cruise had like a series of about four years of reading. This is one of them. Uh, this is the ship. <laughs> the Cortana. The Cortana. Uh, and in Italy, it hit a reef and then gouged a huge hole in it. And the only good thing about it is, and actually it's still in the water, and they're still trying to fix it. They've been trying to fix it for over a year and a half. Oh, that's right. I did say that. I didn't make the connection. So, um, I cannot imagine what it would be like to be on a ship that is actually sinking. And the whole reason this one didn't was the reef it hit. Uh, it, it went this way instead of that way. If it gone that way, it was sunk. It went this way. It stopped the reef. Can you imagine what it would be like though, if you were on a ship that was sinking and they continued doing all the nice little tours? Because when an emergency happens, you don't just continue to do 
some of us in the room, we're following God, and we veered off course, and we just don't think it's in the right place. How do we get back the right course of mission? It just doesn't happen that way. See, the idolatry that is going to be talked about, the rebellion against God, it just doesn't, doesn't happen with big, major events at first, instead it happens with lots of little bitty small details. To be honest, for most people it's a lot like adultery. Adultery starts off with small things usually. Oh, I won't tell her about this. Oh, he doesn't know. He need to know about that conversation. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Those little things begin to separate you. We need to spot them for the emergency they are. And call all hands to on deck. So in the next five weeks, I would encourage you to read through the book of Hosea. We are going to talk about